think well on it, or Reflections on the Great Truths of the Christian Religion for Every Day of the Month, by Bishop Richard Challoner. Thirteenth Day, on Hell. Consider first that as it has been said in Holy Writ, that neither eye has seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that serve him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 So we may truly say with regard to hell's torments that no mortal tongue can express nor human heart conceive them. Beatitude, according to divines, is a perfect and never-ending state, comprising at once all that is good without any mixture of evil. If then damnation be the opposite to beatitude, it must needs be a complication, an everlasting deluge of all that is evil, without the least mixture of good, the least alloy of ease, the least glimpse of comfort, in a word, a total privation of happiness, and a chaos of misery. Consider, secondly, in a more particular manner, what damnation is, and how many and great are the miseries it involves. A dying life, or rather a living death, a darksome prison, a loathsome dungeon, a binding of hand and foot in eternal chains, a land of horror and misery, a land of fire and brimstone, a bottomless pit devouring flames, a serpent ever gnawing, a worm never dying, a body always burning and never consumed, a feeling always fresh for suffering, a thirst never extinguished, perpetual weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth, no other company but devils and damned wretches, all hating and cursing each other, and hating and cursing God, spirits always sick and in agony, yet never meeting with death, which they so much desire, cast forth from the face of God into the land of oblivion, none to comfort, none to pity them, wounded in the heart with the sense of lost happiness, and oppressed with the feeling of present misery, and all these sufferings everlasting, without the least hope of end, intermission, or abatement. This is a sort of description, drawn for the most part from the unerring word of God, of the miseries which eternal damnation imports. This is that bitter cup of which all the sinners of the earth must drink. Psalm 74. Consider thirdly that God in all his attributes is infinite, as in his power, wisdom, goodness, etc. So in his avenging justice also, he is a God as much in hell as in heaven, so that by the greatness of his love, mercy, and patience here, we may measure the greatness of his future wrath and vengeance against the impenitent sinners hereafter. By his infinite goodness he has drawn them out of nothing. He has preserved them for a long time. He has even come down from his throne of glory and suffered himself to be nailed to a disgraceful cross for their eternal salvation. He has frequently delivered them from the dangers to which they were daily exposed, patiently borne with their insolence and repeated treasons, still graciously inviting them to repentance. Ah, how justly does his patience so long abused turn at length into fury. Mercy at last gives place to justice, and a thousand woes to those wretches that must forever feel the dreadful weight of the avenging hand of the living God. Consider fourthly, and in order to understand somewhat better what hell is, set before your eyes a poor sick man lying on his bed, 
burning with a pestilent fever, attended with an universal pain over all his body, his head, as it were, rent asunder, his eyes ready to fly out, his teeth raging, his sides pierced with dreadful stitches, his belly racked with a violent colic, his reins with the stone and gravel, all his limbs tormented with rheumatic pains, and all his joints with the gout, his heart even bursting with anguish, and he crying out for a drop of water to cool his tongue. Can anything be conceived more miserable? And yet, let me tell you, this is but an imperfect picture of what the damned must endure in hell for eternity, where these victims, immolated to the justice of God, shall be salted all over with fire, and endure in all the senses and members of their body, and in all the faculties of their souls, exquisite torments. Consider, fifthly, that the state of the poor sick man, of whom we have just now been speaking, how deplorable soever it may seem, might still be capable of some alloy of ease or degree of comfort, an easy bed to lie on, a good friend to encourage or console him, a good conscience to support him, a will resigned to the will of God, and, in fine, a certain knowledge that his pains must shortly abate or put an end to his life. But the damned have nothing of all this. Their bed in hell is a lake or pit burning with fire and brimstone, to which they are fastened down with eternal chains. Their companions are merciless devils, or what will be to them worse than devils, the unhappy partners of their sins. Their conscience is ever gnawed with the worm that never dies. Their will is averse from God, and continually struggling in vain with his divine will. And what comes in to complete their damnation is the despair of ever meeting with an end or abatement of their torments. Good God, what would not a prudent man do to prevent the lying, but for one night in torments in this life? And where, then, are our faith and reason, when we do so little for escaping the dreadful night of hell's merciless flames?